Hold up. Hold up. We're turning that off. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Review Show. We're going to be doing some review action. I'm excited to be here. I'm Eric Lindquist. Coming off of this unbelievable weekend of football, I don't think there's any question in anybody's minds that this is the best weekend of football we've had, bar none, this entire season. And I've got somebody to help us break it down. He is the PGA DFS tout of awesomeo.com. That's Adam Scher at Ship My Money DFS. Adam, congratulations. And how you doing, my dude? Thanks. Uh, I, I'm doing well. Um, yesterday's football was great. I didn't watch any of Saturdays, and it seems like I didn't really miss out there. So uh, running pretty good this weekend. Yeah, running running okay. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get to that at the very end of the show. You don't know about that, but that's just something we're going to do. We're going to look over a little golf action, but I know we're all here to talk a little NFL. Did you at least watch the games this weekend? Yes, I, I watched yesterday. I didn't. I didn't see a okay. single play of Saturday. I was on my way to New York and then out in New York and not paying attention to football. That's an okay thing to do. Uh, I I think in our little bubble, you know, being people who are content creators, people who play DFS every single day, you got to find time for yourself. And you got to find the balance of being able to, I don't know, win $150,000 in golf and then be able to go out and enjoy it a little bit. Because what's the point of winning, of enjoying you know, all the splendors of having money and, and not actually putting it to use. Yeah, yeah, it, it's nice to get a break. Like, I still played MMA on Saturday. I, I didn't watch. I only saw a few of the fights, but, like, I at least kind of was keeping tabs on that. But, um, yeah, I didn't pay any attention to Saturday's football. Nganu was a dog. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. That's all I can yeah, say I last I week. I haven't seen that fight. I didn't see that fight. I didn't see the Moreno fight. Um, I needed Moreno to win. I know he didn't. Oh. But, um, yeah. yeah, but, like, I saw some of the early fights, and then went out and met up with my friends and didn't see anything else. So dominating golf, MMA, we're talking NFL, NBA, obviously your baby, you're crushing that as well. It's good to be Adam Scherer here. And we're going to be breaking down some, some of these lineups together. And he's going to be able to look at this a little bit from a, from a, Oh, I didn't make that decision point of view. So he's able to kind of analyze where people landed on certain tournaments. I think we're primarily going to be going through a lot of the four gamer. We'll maybe take a look at the two gamer here as well, because it looked like Adam, Alex, number of people here at Osmo took the weekend off, and that is okay. It is all right to not play DFS every single day. And I think that that is kind of the lesson to really start off the show is allow yourself the opportunity to, if, you know, things are good or things are bad, either direction, getting away from it, being able to refresh, not have to grind every single day. I know that I'm guilty of that sometimes where, you know, I'll be on vacation and I'm like, why do I feel like I need to be playing DFS today? And it's all right to just kind of hit eject on it. But uh, anything you want to say before we get into this four gamer? Uh, no, I mean, I agree with you completely there. I have a really hard time not playing like every sport that I can. But like, uh, I know last year kind of was going through a downswing, went to Arizona, couldn't play. So like had to take a break. Uh, same kind of thing happened that like over the summer, went to Montana, couldn't play. And so I was like, oh, wow, that's actually really relaxing. And you get back and like, it's a lot easier to get back into it. So uh, yeah, I I'm with you, whether things are going good or bad. Uh, it is not bad to just take a day or two. Well, next time you go to Arizona, you'll be able to sports bet on top of play DFS because yep. everything is, everything's changing. I think that's for the better, obviously here, but let's get into this. This is the $3 million fantasy football millionaire. It was the four game slate that we were looking at here. We've got a couple of guys here from Austin, but we've got NC Orfield. That is your friend Neil here, Minneapolis, Minneapolis's finest, then Michigan's finest, Rin Pack. You guys know and love him. And then, you know, we'll kind of throw in the winner here as well, John Dubrick. 
and maybe even a guest appearance of myself because I was top 30 in the Millie until the last touchdown pass by Ke- uh, by Kelsey knocked me out of the top 100. But, you know, I put a couple lineups into the Millie every single week just to just to be able to kind of be entertained there towards the end and, you know, just kind of strategizing even what I'm going to do with four lineups. I, I didn't put a ton of thought into it. It's basically, you know, for me playing a lot of my 150 stuff over on FanDuel for NFL weekends and then uh, throwing a couple of things into DK just to to make sure that I can give you guys the proper analysis on how to play over there as well. And, you know, almost got a backdoor, a really nice finish. But either way, John Dubrick, it really came down to that late night hammer, that final game of the slate, 55 total. And it wasn't going to come to fruition until the last two minutes when that game went to complete madness. I mean, I, I've never seen a football game late night hammer quite like that late night hammer there in the last two minutes. But Adam, uh, initial thoughts there on Bill's Chiefs. Uh, that game was great. It was like, incredible. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, being in New York, I was actually able to bet on it too. So I like I had the Chiefs. Um, at that point, didn't really care all that much because golf was <laughs> over. But um, it, it was still just such an incredible game. It, you have it was a lot of fun. Like, on the Chiefs. What'd you say? 150k on the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> only five. <laughs> only 500 on the Chiefs. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was a lot of fun. Um, the atmosphere, like the bar was fun too. It was like probably 80% Bills fans and then Jets fans rooting against the Bills basically. Um, but yeah, the, the game was great. That's a, yeah, it's a fun spot to be watching it, I suppose. Uh, in the state itself, oh man, there had to be one letdown towards the end of that or you just drink more. It's the nice yeah. thing about being at a bar. Is things are okay there. But John Dubrick, looking at this W here, I'm, I'm kind of looking at some of his lineups and, uh, he had 30 lineups, catch 21 of them. And really all that matters is that you get that one through. And obviously this came to fruition. The very top one, Josh Allen, Jarek McKinnon, Leonard Fournette, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Gabriel Davis, C.J. Uzoma, Tyreek Hill, and the 49ers defense. So uh, my favorite defense for the weekend, um, I mean, especially over on FanDuel where they were like 5%, was the 49ers going up against the Green Bay Packers. It looked like it was going to be very, very cold. And I think there were a lot of assumptions being made that the 49ers wouldn't be competitive in that football game because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I thought they might be able to run the football even more effectively than they were. Obviously, it took a fluky touchdown for them to win that game, but that's kind of what you're looking for from a defense. And, you know, why not take the miserable game where it looked like there was snow in the forecast and just stack up on the defenses from both sides, but the Packers were already popular. And the 49ers, I didn't think we're going to let Garoppolo throw it enough to really go completely nuts defensively. But uh, what did you kind of think about this lineup as we're just kind of looking at this initially? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the lineup. I agree with everything uh, that you said about the Niners. They were cheap, too. So, yeah. you know, it lets you kind of do whatever you wanted elsewhere in your lineup. Anytime, especially on on shorter slates, but in general, I think anybody that's heard me talk about NFL, if you give me a inexpensive and relatively low-owned defense, I typically am more than happy to play it and just use that as a way to to try and be a little bit different. So make made sense to me. Yeah, it, it really made sense to me, too. And, and obviously... The big part of this lineup that you needed was Gabriel Davis and Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, however you ended up stacking him up. One of those two quarterbacks, I mean, I went to pretty heavy Matthew Stafford um, in most of my 150 builds, and you know, I, I don't really have any regrets about that. They threw the ball above expectation. I think they played fantastic, at least through three quarters or two and a half quarters, should I say. Um, didn't necessarily need to chuck it around as much towards the end of that game, and 
the Cooper Cup piece was always something that I was never going to get away from this entire week. And I thought that he would be a little bit undervalued. You got him sub 25% in this four game Millie. Any four game slate where you're getting a sub 25% Cooper Cup underneath 9K, that's just kind of wrong to me. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't even know that there's like a whole lot to say about it at this point. Yeah. We're, we're in week, what, like 20 or whatever yeah. it is. And it's just the, the guy has a high floor. He has a high ceiling. Uh, he's not that popular here. His ownership, like looking at, at where guys ended up, uh, Cup's ownership stood out as just being like surprisingly low, given that it was a four-game slate. And then Mahomes at 11%. You know, that was something you and I had talked about on a previous show where it's getting to the point where it's just like, okay, uh, play Mahomes. Um, but yeah, so they both kind of stood out as like, I'm surprised that they didn't get more ownership. Yeah, and I... If I had known that Josh Allen was going to be 27.2% owned, I probably would have played Mahomes more. I, again, I only played four. I put four of my 150 and kind of like selected them out for specific reasons just to fire them in. Didn't think about it too much, but um, Josh Allen, if I had known he was going to be more than double the ownership of a Patrick Mahomes, definitely would have played Patrick Mahomes, I think, as the primary guy. 11.5% for him, $300 less than Josh Allen. I, I don't really know how that happened. Um, I, I, I think that that was probably a mistake. Once again, you know, I came off of last week where it's like, oh, you should have just always played Mahomes. And sure, he backdoored towards the end of that game, but so did Josh Allen in some ways. I can't be too upset with it. Plus, obviously, the Millie winner, Josh Allen, still was a three point discrepancy. What mattered is that you got Gabriel Davis in any capacity, four touchdown catches, 4,600, sub 10%. You'll see I played him in 204. I had him, he was my highest owned wide receiver, uh, not named Cooper Cup on both slates. I ended up having a good day as a result. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. This felt like a recency bias type spot um, for, for pretty much the entire field, whether it was Cooper Cup, Gabriel Davis. I was surprised AJ Brown got to around 23%, but I didn't find a ton of that uh, wide receiver value I really wanted. And gave it 4,600 on FanDuel. He was 5,300, which really stood out to me over there. I thought that he was kind of a fantastic play to stack up with Josh Allen and just skip out on digs. And obviously that ended up being the premier build and way to go. Um, what more do you really say about Gabriel Davis? I didn't expect four touchdowns, but uh, he has definitely surpassed expectations this season. Yeah, he's, we've kind of talked about guys like him in the past too, where not that you're ever expecting this type of game from, from Gabriel Davis, but he is used in the red zone and has been all year. Um, you know, obviously he's not as likely to have a big game as Diggs. He's also not priced like him. Um, you have other receivers, you know, you have Knox, you have Beasley. It's not like he's a high floor play, but we've talked about on these shorter slates that one of the, I think, stronger ways to differentiate your lineups is not grabbing some, you know, random receiver that you're just hoping scores on his one target, you know, and, you know, has like a 60-yard touchdown, but somebody like Davis where they're at least involved and, you know, they – it's not shocking. I mean, it's shocking when they score four touchdowns, but it's yeah. not shocking, you know, when he catches five passes for 60 yards and scores a touchdown and you're getting him at sub 10% ownership on a four game slate and pairing him with, you know, Josh Allen. I think that's one of the stronger ways to differentiate is when you get a situation like that, where uh, just pass catchers on his team are, are going to get a lot more ownership and he still has a, a decent role in the offense. Yeah. And I would have played a lot more volume if I had known Leonard Fournette was going to be sub 20%. Um, talks had been that he was a full go in practice the last two weeks and they held him out last weekend, maybe assuming they didn't necessarily need to unleash him there. 
Uh, Leonard Fournette, not that running backs really matter that much in, in certain capacities, but there are certain skill sets that definitely work out. Leonard Fournette has proved to be a, a great asset there for Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers. They get jousted from the playoffs here, so we don't have to think about it going forward. But certain guys like this, when they're sub 20% in 5,700, when we've seen the kind of workload that they've had, and we've been paying 7,500 for them, I, I, I was, again, very surprised to see him come in under 20%. We had him projected north of that all week long, but I, I'm going to also say this, and this won't really apply to this next weekend's two gamer because they're both on Sunday, but do you feel like people maybe made the mistake of not adjusting their lineups come sat, uh, Sunday and just played the available games that they were watching a little bit more than they should have on, on Saturday? So you mean like did people just kind of lean a little bit heavier on the Saturday games? Yeah, because it was like the most recent news and it was something that right. was happening there. It looks to me like Leonard Fournette. I don't know how if you just played all the games at the exact same time and you knew Leonard Fournette was a full go, that he wouldn't be higher than 20% owned. Right. Like, I, I think that you kind of, I think you typically kind of see things skew that way. Um, just, you know, people feel more comfortable having full information. Um, I, I don't think at this point that it makes a huge difference like such a such a large percentage of the field is you know being made up by very strong dfs players these days that mm -hmm. i don't think you get the same sort of, of swing that maybe you would have a few years ago but uh, to some extent yeah i think people do still lean towards the the guys that are locking early just because they know that they're playing and that they're they're healthy and you know you're not going to get uh you're, you're not going to like skip eli mitchell and then find out sunday morning that leonard fournette's limited or something Right. Um, well, here we go. Let's take a look at some of these individually. Obviously, John Dubrick. I mean, he he smashed. We just looked at his Millie Maker winning lineup. Look at me. I made $460 in this tournament. What a time to be alive. I could buy half a bottle of Woodford Reserve <laughs> on, a, on a rooftop in New York. That's what I learned. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, you could get yeah, half. Could ha half a bottle. That's, that's cool. I made more on FanDuel, but again, FanDuel, get a CSV. Let me review my lineups, damn it. This is stupid, but whatever. Uh, let's see, where, where is that lineup from me? I don't even know. This is stupid. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Where did I finish? 114th. See, that was sad. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, when you don't have either, that's just like the really painful way to finish up when you're like sweating for a million dollars and I think I had a path to top five if I go Josh Allen to Singletary. But, you know, one of the things that's beautiful about doing these shows is I never would have built a lineup like this. You know, I, I finished 114th. Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Leonard Fournette, Byron Pringle, Cooper Cup, Gabriel Davis, Tyler Higby, Tyreek Hill, and Bengals. I think I had said it kind of all week long where I wanted to skew towards that final game. I think that that was kind of the game plan of how I built most of my lineups there. Uh, I was never getting away from Leonard Fournette. Devin Singletary, I thought was the most secure running back on the entire slate, no doubt about it, but his ownership reflected that 37.7%. But something I was just fine was, with was avoiding um, was avoiding Stefan Diggs in my Josh Allen shares. Now, that's not normally the way you look at a wide receiver one, but it had seemed to me like Gabriel Davis wasn't getting any of the double teams and that Stefan Diggs is going to just be getting doubled all over the field. And it just felt like Josh Allen is going to play um, within himself in certain spots like this, where he's just going to find the guys that are open or he's going to make plays with his legs. And Devin Singletary, I felt like was just 
I, I thought they were going to be able to run pretty effectively on Kansas City. I, I felt like they were going to win that football game. Of course, they were definitely in contention. I was on every dog for the weekend. But uh, looking at this, I, I never would have played a running back, even on a four-game slate. Running back, quarterback, wide receiver would have looked at this and thought that maybe I was doing something wrong playing five players, but you want all the upside of the game. If Devin Singletary, if the team goes for 35 points or 36 like they did, you got to be thinking Devin Singletary probably gets in the box one time. But uh, what do you think about this lineup of mine? Um, uh, so so your, your best lineup? Yeah, my best lineup, obviously. Um, you, want, you, you, you can bash one of my other ones. That's great by me. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather talk about your worst one. Um, okay. Let's do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that it it looks good to me. Like, I, I like the Davis play. We already talked about that, you know, in, in the tournament winning lineup and, and why I thought that was good. Singletary is fine. Like, obviously, it was a good play. That's something that you and I had talked about before that um, people seem to still not really like doing the running back quarterback thing. And I get it. You know, like, if you're talking about a team that scores 21 points or 24 points, it's probably going to be tough. There's not enough touchdowns to go around for – you know, all of that to, to get there. But if your team just, if the game shoots out and your team scores 40 points, there's, you can get, you know, two touchdowns from your running back. You can get a few from your quarterback and, and you'll be fine. So um, that's one way on shorter slates in particular that I still uh, do like to be able to differentiate a little bit. So um, I like that the cup and Higby pieces, both, you know, obviously are, are fine. You have the Hill run back with Allen and Davis and Singletary. That looks good. Yeah. Uh, everything looked, looked good to me. All right. Well, let's go to my worst one then, because I'm very excited to hear your analysis of this. Obviously, 49ers defense was something that I was very high on for FanDuel purposes. Simply, they were the cheapest defense on the board over there. They were on DraftKings as well, but I didn't find it as prohibitive. Um, this was basically, I don't know, maybe a hedge of my entire weekend, considering the other three all finished in the top 10,000. But we had Eli Mitchell, who you know, ended up a little bit more popular than I would have liked uh, for, for some of the play, places that I played him. Uh, I played him a little bit more on Yahoo, I know, as well. Because, again, play multiple sites, that gives you more access to different builds, gives you an opportunity to kind of use some of this. But I had two 49ers and two Green Bay Packers. I didn't think I needed to take anybody along for the ride for, like, in an Aaron Rodgers in that kind of capacity. Uh, 3,100, Randall Cobb ended up popular. That was pretty absurd, and, and I don't know. That was definitely a mistake in that regard. But Leonard Fournette in that one as well. Matthew Stafford, Cup, Higby uh, with Leonard Fournette as a run back in some capacity. You know, I thought he would get enough passing volume there. And then the Chiefs defense was kind of the one that fell at that exact number. You never know with a pick six or something of that capacity. I knew they'd be super, super low owned. Uh, ended up at 5%. But what do you think about this lovely dandy that finished in a zillionth place? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it still looks fine. Uh, the only thing that I like initially questioned when I looked at it was um, the Adams plus Cobb without Rodgers pieces, just because like, typically, if you have two wide receivers that put up a big game, like obviously the quarterback is having a good game as well. But I think here it's fine. Not forcing Rodgers in for a couple of reasons, one being that Cobb was so cheap, like there's certainly ways the slate breaks out or plays out where, you know, Cobb doesn't have any sort of monster game, but he, he scores enough at his salary and opens up enough elsewhere that he's useful. And then the other thing is that Adams, like, yeah, for him to have a monster game, he needs to get into the end zone once or twice. But Adams can score, like, two touchdowns without Rodgers having a monster game. And Adams can just pick up so many points in full-point PPR uh, based on receptions that uh, with that particular pairing, I don't I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of like there was nobody else 3,100 or down. Right. Obviously, I maxed this out at 50K, and 
I didn't see another viable receiving option under 3,500 really other than like Scotty Miller was 3,300. And I didn't think, I, I didn't really know how to assess the, the Cyril Grayson. I think that that ended up mattering a lot more for Sunday slate. I didn't think they were going to necessarily be slate breakers there, but I thought at 3,100 kind of locking him in early. I don't believe that I late swapped anything on this lineup period. Um, obviously, you know, when you're looking at your million lineups or like your 150 three max lineups or whatever it is, you, you don't necessarily end up swapping them as much just because there might not be maneuverability in that lineup as it is, you know, as a, like, as opposed to an entire portfolio of lineups being able to do it there. But I, I can pretty much guarantee you that with the amount of Saturday plays there, I kind of let that run. And of course, Matthew Stafford was cheaper than Aaron Rodgers, So just being able to fit him in that lineup uh, probably made some sense. If I could have gotten to Rogers, maybe I go that direction instead, but Obviously, you needed to have some late night hammer, and that was the one that did not have uh, anything from those lineups. Let's take a look at, well, before we jump over and look at those individual exposures, just join us here at Osmo Plus. If you guys haven't had a chance to be able to review lineups with us in the past or be able to see all of the great tools and content that Adam uses to win a gajillion dollars every week in 48 different sports, head to Osmo Plus here now, sign up for a weekly pass. It's $29.95 right now. But that gives you a ton of great premium content and tools, player projections, ownership projections, the top stacks tool, which comes in a ton of handy. That's kind of what put me on the Rams there initially to begin with. They were the second highest top stack percentage. I fortunately, obviously, had late night hammer exposure as well, but got on a lot of Cooper Cup as a result. He would be the main beneficiary. And that was just something that, that told me in two seconds, looking at the top stacks tool. Now, NBA, we have the boom bust tool, which can tell you in two seconds which players are maybe going over uh, overowned compared to their chance of finishing in the optimal lineup, maybe underowned, finding some opportunities to, to see really where you can find leverage on NBA slates. And then MMA top fighters tool, PGA top golfers tool. It is every single sport that there are these amazing tools. And it's right now NFL strategy show. One word gets you 25% off of that. So take advantage of it. There's an NFL weekly package going for $3.95 just for some of the showdown stuff. But if you are willing to take a look at all we offer for other sports, stop guessing, start winning, and join us here at Osmo Plus today. All right, my friend, let's take a look here at our friends Neil and Rinpak, who uh, they're, they got bigger bankrolls than me. I'm happy to admit it. You know, it just is what it is. Neil, looking at this, Cooper Cup, 76.7% Cooper Cup. Absolutely love it. Rinpak, 53.3%. Oh, I'm looking at the Saturday-Sunday special. I apologize. We'll go back over there here in a second. I was looking at the Sunday lineups here, but uh, Cooper Cup, 40%. So still almost double the field there. Rob Gronkowski, 48%. Tight end didn't really matter until the very last play of the very last game of the slate, which is just kind of crazy to say. But that Travis Kelsey play ended up knocking him over the threshold into not optimal lineups, but certainly into the winning lineups at a number of spots. Otherwise, Gronkowski was going to be just fine and work out just fine for everybody in that regard. Stefan Diggs, Derek Henry. I mean, I don't even know how to go back and look at Derek Henry. I had 0% of him over the course of the weekend, and I don't want to victory lap it because I think he got more work than what I was expecting. But there were paths to failure here in this spot in a playoff game, and Ryan Tannehill had turnover problems, which definitely hurt Derek Henry's floor a little bit. But what did you think about Derrick Henry on the weekend, just from, you know, uh, in an observation standpoint in hindsight here? I didn't really have any thoughts there. I mean, like, I didn't pay any attention to the news throughout the week. I know he was playing with screws and plates or whatever in his foot. Um, but, yeah, like, I didn't 
I didn't follow news enough to really have a take on if I thought, like, how much I thought he was going to play. Lovely. I think that's great. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Leonard Fournette, 36%. Titans, 32%. Uh, so Titans were a team that he was very, very high on defensively there. Um, you know, I'd say the Titans ended up pretty popular, 15.8%. Actually, defense was pretty flat, especially considering Tampa Bay, which I'm shocked is only you know, 9% there. I know that they were more expensive at 3,100, but that was a little bit surprising to me to see that they didn't have any ownership. So being 3X the field in that regard, don't mind it. Not really a whole lot to say otherwise flat on, on Cam Akers, literally exactly at the field in his 150. Um, Josh Allen, he was a tiny bit under there. Uh, obviously, the, the main thing that stands out and that would stand out to anybody who doesn't have a, a phenomenal week is you don't see Gabe Davis there in that top grouping of lineups. He ended up being exactly at the field, 7.3% compared to 7.7% ownership. And then we'll look at our friend Rimpak over here who only had 2% of Gabe Davis. And anytime you're missing out on 55 fantasy points from a guy, I mean, that's got to be the biggest fantasy outing we've seen, period. And it was from a $4,600 wide receiver. Like, yeah, what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, just absolutely insane game. I've never seen anything like it. Um, all right, let's look at, uh, let's look. Oh my God. So Ryan played 100% Aaron Rodgers and 100% Devontae Adams. What do you think about that, Adam? Um, I think that if you're going to play 100% of two guys, you should do it from a team that scores more than like 13 points. <laughs> F you, Ryan. <laughs> By the way, check out Ryan and I doing the NBA Slate Starter podcast every single night. We grind, man. I am up till 10.30 p.m. every single night out here on the West Coast for you, for the people who want content at, you know, 2 a.m. When they wake up, you know, they have to, they have their screaming baby and, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and how to, how to just get through the day. NBA Slate Starter will help you get through the day. I can promise you that. Or if you're just on your drive to work. How about that? That's in, in all seriousness, though, like I, I, I get it. Um, I know Ryan typically does go a little bit heavier on stacks than I do on a lot of slates. But when you look at the ownership here, like Rogers at eleven percent certainly has upside. Devonte Adams, you know, again, I don't think he should have been more popular than Cooper Cup, but he's still really, really good. Um, it, it's not like this is some super low probability team that he locked himself onto. Uh, I, I think you know, I, I get it. Um. I'm pretty confident I wouldn't have gone the same route because I just play differently. But um, yeah, like you're not, you're never going to be too upset or question yourself too much if you're just jamming Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams. I just realized this might be the first time in Osmo history where I was the highest winner at the Millie Maker. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. One, one for one. All it took was Adam and Alex not playing. That's all it took, baby. Go ahead and take the weekend off next weekend. We'll see you guys come Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> you can take that one off too if you really want to. All right, let's look at the Sunday special because it gets a little bit different. And I think two gamers are going to be a little more applicable. The $1.5 million Sunday special, 500K to first Sunday only contest. It's a two gamer. Obviously, it's a two gamer, unlike any that we've probably ever seen because of Gabe Davis, because of Cooper Cup, because of Leonard Fournette, because of a lot of these guys. And, you know, obviously, Ownership kind of caught up to Leonard Fournette on a two-gamer. 52.6% for him on Sunday slate, as opposed to when you bring in Saturday, which when you think about it, Derrick Henry mattered that much to people uh, in the very first game of the slate. And if he goes off and goes nuts, goes for 30-plus, maybe there are no paths for you to try to recoup those losses. But 
I at least thought maybe you could punt to like Jarek McKinnon and other running backs for the four gamer and then kind of go up to, I was never getting off Fournette or Singletary, but like there were ways to maybe avoid a, a 30 burger from Derrick Henry. There was no way to avoid 35.3 out of Cooper, Cooper Cup or 31.7 out of Leonard Fournette on this two gamer. And looking at Neil's exposures here, 76.7% Cooper Cup, Gronk, 66.7. Looks like he was really firmly in play on that first game in his first three players there. Stefan Diggs, 60% really really did not work out for anybody there. 52.1% ownership. But in terms of a two-gamer, which you've definitely been, I would say you're a specialist on some of these two-gamer NFL slates. What are you looking at when you know the guys are going to be 50% plus? Because it looks like Neil just took the approach, I'm going to go over the field on these popular guys that I love. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fine in a situation like this, when you're talking about Cooper Cup, when you're talking about Leonard Fournette, um, guys that just have such solidified roles, relatively high floors, you get such a high receiving workload for Fournette. You know, we know how high floor, how high Cup's floor is and and his ceiling. So, like, I, I don't mind it. I mean, kind of the way I think about it is, yeah, they're getting a lot of ownership, but half the field isn't playing them. Half the field is playing them. I generally am not going to mind just, you know, having even more uh, when you're only talking two games. All right. Yeah. It's the two gamer here. We got NC or field there from uh, the turn client doing amazing work. Again, sometimes lineup review. I mean, it, it definitely populated really, really well this time, which is good, but we've got Rin pack there as well. That we're going to pull up with him to uh, this winning lineup. Let me see who ended up GS 31 with let's find his exposures next to these lovely gentlemen, but that winning lineup, <laughs> This is all it takes is one lineup. His he had out of his six that he made for just the Sunday only, only one finished in the top six thousand, and only two finished in the top twenty three thousand. So like legitimately, all it takes is one people, and that one was an onslaught. Patrick Mahomes, Jarek McKinnon, Leonard Fournette, Byron Pringle, Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Gabriel Davis. Of course, you needed as the run back. And the Buccaneers defense, he left 400 on the table, five Kansas City Chiefs. He had to have really enjoyed that last two minutes of football. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm kind of surprised that lineup tied five times, given that, uh, or five ways, I should say, yeah. given that it left a little bit of money on the table and it had so many guys from Kansas City. I mean, I guess two games slate, you're still going to dupe a lot, but like, um, that's kind that of is a very that... surprising dupe. I'm, I'm not going to lie, because like you go down to 11th place. Um, which I had saw earlier this morning. And, you know, this was only duped three times and it was 49,800. It had Mahomes, Singletary, Fournette, Gabriel Davis, Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Scotty Miller. I was surprised was only 5.3%, but that duped three times. And I thought that that was an easier lineup to land on than this one. Yeah. Sixth place actually was unique and lost by like a point. That can't be fun. No. Like that's, that's, like Fifteen thousand dollars for uh, somebody winning fifteen k, but like legitimately, I feel horrible for that oh, yeah. person. Yeah, that's that's, that's not a good time. Oh, when you get there, you just want it. Like, right. it's not fair that I play DFS better than somebody else and they get rewarded with a five way split. And I mean, you just have to like it. It's so hard to to win tournaments and like to be profitable. You just kind of have to take advantage of your your chances, even though it's completely out of your control. So yeah, it really sucks when you know you only get 15k and you're a point away from getting 500. All right. Well, something that was really good for Rinpack on this slate was Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were not on it, so he couldn't 
lock them. Cooper Cup, Rob Gronkowski, I love you, Ryan, of course. Leonard Fournette, 50.7%. Devin Singletary, 47.3%. Tyreek Hill didn't get anybody over 53%. Really didn't take a stand on anybody. Normally, you'll see the bright green in the column where somebody really takes an overweight approach to the field, somebody that they really like. And you'll see bright red on somebody that they really take an underweight approach. Looked like he was pretty flat. And sometimes that can work out because if you construct your lineups in a certain fashion, you can find yourself having an edge. But on this two-gamer, I would have liked to see Ryan take some larger stands. Uh, The man won 100K in the uh, Rams showdown. So, like, I'm not going to feel that bad for him. I don't think anybody should here at the moment. But Rin Pack, uh, what do you think about his lineup exposures? I think it's interesting because it's so different than what we've seen him do in the past. Um, the my, my thought is, and because I, I know it works out this way for me sometimes, normally if I see my exposures, like you were saying, for the most part being around the field, especially on those top tier guys, it's just that I thought ownership was basically correct on most individual players. And so it does come down more so to saying, um, yeah, like it always comes down to, to your individual lineups anyway, but uh, even more so to saying, okay, well, um, there's no one or two players that I really like that the field isn't on. So it's more so just going to be um, being around the field on a lot of these guys and having, you know, contrarian plays within each lineup um, as opposed to like, not that I typically get to a hundred percent of a stack, but when my exposures look more like his four game slate exposures, it's that. I would assume he just had the Packers being a lot more underowned than the other, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills. And so it's just like, okay, well, Rodgers and Adams are just moving to the top of everything. So I'm jamming them in. Uh, so that's that that's what is interesting to me is I just assume that going into the slate, Ryan looked at the projected ownership for guys like Fournette and Cop and was just like, Yeah, that's about where I think they should be. I don't think there is really an edge to being, you know, drastically heavier or or lighter. Yeah, it's He's probably been my favorite guy to do the review show, not just because he's a dear friend of mine and not because we do a podcast where we're literally on Zoom together every night, five days a week for months on end. Uh, We've done that last year. We're doing it this year. It's been an absolute blast, but literally because he's a top 10 player in the world and I've known him since he wasn't. And uh, it's, it's really fascinating to go through some of his player exposures and kind of see the inner workings on when he takes a massive, and I mean massive overweight stand in a way that's almost just what in the world is happening. And it works out sometimes. Week one, I know he had 100% of like a Patrick Mahomes stack and ended up taking down everything on DraftKings. And then you run into some of these weeks on on a Saturday, Sunday, four-gamer, where he plays 100% of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in a zero-degree game where you know that there's going to be snow and wind. Like there are just certain times where I'm just like, what am I missing for certain things? And can it work out for him? Absolutely. Um, But looking at like this exposure then too, it's like, what happened to the guy who was playing on Saturday? Like what, what happened to him? Right. Uh, Yeah. But I I think, and again, like, I don't know how he makes his lineups or anything. I could be totally wrong here, but my assumption is just like, if you're trying to like learn from this, I think it reinforces that, you know, a lot of times when you see people or hear, hear people talk about DFS, they always like, or they tend to think about it in, in like more concrete terms. Like, oh, you have to play contrarian. Mm-hmm. You have to do X, Y, Z. When really a lot of your strategy for any given slate should be dictated by what the field's projected to do and how you think, like where you think they're correct, where you think they're wrong. If you think the field is basically correct in most spots, it's 
it should lead to you playing that slate a bit differently um, in the way that, you know, in, in how your exposures end up. If, you know, you think that Aaron Rodgers is slightly behind Josh Allen mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes instead of way behind them, you should play that differently to where you just want all of the Aaron Rodgers. So uh, it, it really goes back to like, you know, you're not, you shouldn't be going into every slate saying, oh, I, ha- I have to lock button three people or I never lock button any anything. Like it, it, it all depends on what the field's projected to do and how you think the field should handle it. I love that. Playing the slate for the slate that you've been given, not the slate you want it to be. Right. Okay. I, I think that that's great. Man, that was very like, uh, uh, I don't know, daily stoic of you might be the right <laughs> way of saying it. Like very, um, yeah, be the, be the change you want to see in your lineups. How about that? Yeah. Uh, another thing that I want you guys to do is sign up at prize picks, not just because they're the sponsor, but because I want you guys to win free money. And you know how you do that? Use promo code Osmo over at prize picks in order to get a hundred dollars first match deposit bonus. You don't have sharks. You don't have the Rin packs and the ship my monies of the world out there taking all your money. We are all in it together. It's going to be what you do over there. You play two, three, four, or five player lineups. You can net up to 10x your entry fee. You can play cross-sport parlays. So not just NBA or NFL. You're able to play PGA. You're able to play MMA. You're able to play CSGO. They have great esports contests and, and stuff that you can take advantage of. So if you have knowledge in multiple sports, you can make some really profitable winning parlays there. Download at the App Store or Google Play or head to prizepicks.com. Use promo code Awesome for that first mo- uh, first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. But most importantly, you can get one free month of Awesome Plus Platinum when you take advantage of that offer. So one free month for when you sign up using promo code Awesome, deposit batch up to $100, sign up, make that deposit, and you'll get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So you get free money and then you get a free month. Check it out. Prize Picks is so fun, so clean, so easy to play on. We really appreciate them. We really love working with them here at Osmo. And it's because their product's great. Like it's it's really hard to talk about products you don't necessarily believe in. I definitely believe in prize picks. A lot of people on Twitter hit me up all the time asking me, what are your favorite prize picks for today? And, and it's constant. So I'm telling you, they are they are definitely up and coming. You can play them in a lot of places where it's not necessarily, you know, legalized sports betting in other spots, but you know, I can play prize picks out here in California. So that is really, really helpful to me. I know it'll be helpful to you too. Use promo code Awesome. Stop guessing, start winning. Get that free month of Awesome Plus today. All right, y'all. Uh, do we want to do showdown? Is that kind of how we want to finish this out? What do we want to do? Do you want to do showdown, Adam? I'll let you decide. Dealer's choice. Not particularly. Okay, no showdown. That was great. I really love that discussion that we just had. Uh, <laughs> let's re- let's kind of revisit this then. We've got this Chew Gamer. Uh, let's see if we can find uh let's see that saturday is there a saturday two gamer we can look at because i want everybody to be focused and have their heads in the game uh we've got the saturday saturday only 12 dollar 500k saturday finish i want to look at the winning lineup from that too one that had less outlier performances the way that we saw gabriel davis go completely nutties and you know obviously he wasn't a top five own player but he wasn't like super contrarian on a two gamer but a two gamer is what we're going to be facing this coming sunday here and I think we need to be focused in on building lineups for that. We saw three 150 maxers, Gridiron King 15, uh, five Maverick five, BK Rider. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's pretty fantastic at DFS. We saw a lot of really good players here on the top end of this tournament. 
I want to look at the winning lineup here first because, you know, again, finding some of these points of leverage, all you really need to do is find a unique roster construction. And I think that the major thing that won Saturday or I thought was going to win come Sunday was making sure that you played Aaron Jones against the 49ers defense. Now, there were paths to land on. You had to probably play Joe Burrow in some capacity, and you had a nice bounce-back spot, but nobody went completely nuts. I think A.J. Brown was the only wide receiver performance, and you know he was nearly 50% in this. But in terms of a roster construction, you have to be thinking about paths in order for things to work out optimal and that aren't going to be duped a million times. And Aaron Jones against the 49ers defense makes more sense than it would typically when you play a running back against defense. What do you see when you look at Gridiron's winning lineup here? I, I mean, I think the lineup makes a lot of sense. Basically just game stack the Cincinnati game uh, mixed in, you know, obviously a defense from the other game and then Aaron Jones. Uh, no issues on a two-game slate of taking somebody against your defense. Just don't really care. You kind of kind of has to happen in, in a lot of lineups or you're just locking yourself out of a lot of builds. So it goes back to, to like we talk about correlation a lot and you should be more willing or you should, yeah, I guess you should just be more willing to accept at least some negative correlation the smaller a slate gets because um, a lot of considering um, especially negative correlation in your lineups, it comes down to the opportunity cost of a roster spot. And as slates get smaller, the opportunity cost goes down. So uh, you just shouldn't really care about it as much, or you're going to put yourself in positions where um, you're just not making probably the best lineups that you can. Yeah. And AJ Dillon was somebody that garnered quite a bit of attention just to the cheaper tag. People wanted to play him with like Devonte Adams and then, you know, had that kind of be the deal where it's like, Oh, well, I'm going to get the goal line work. And AJ Dillon did score a touchdown in that game but he did nothing else. He got dinged up. But for me, it's looking at the 49ers defense and Aaron Jones is the pass catching back on the other side. I think on a two game slate, those are the kind of things you want to keep tabs of where I would obviously maybe AJ Dillon ends up working out optimal in this lineup and you just swap him for Aaron Jones. And that would be harder because you're leaving a ton of salary on the table, but 49ers defense going up against Aaron Jones, I think makes a lot of sense. As you said, game stacking in the other spot, I think it just made a lot of sense. The whole lineup looks really, really good. Um, I, I, it shouldn't be any surprise that that a pass catching back going up against a defense that succeeds is is some crazy correlation. Um, they're not as negatively negatively correlated as one would think. But you know, again, these two gamers, we just need to start thinking a little bit more uh, about considering that's all we're going to have next week. That's the only thing we have left until the Super Bowl showdown, of course, as well. And we'll have you covered with all the analysis for that here as well. But uh, just kind of looking at some of his exposure, that, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at um, for, for Gridiron here. Taking some of those massive 100% Joe Bur Burrow stances on 150 lineups. I don't know how many people feel comfortable doing that, the way Rinpak, the way that this player did Gridiron King 15. You know, 100% Joe Burrow and 80% Jamar Chase. Those are two guys that I would say most people thought failed over the course of the weekend. Now it's only a two gamer as opposed to the four gamer, but still those weren't performances that you absolutely needed, but they just elevated the floor of his lineup so much considering they still put up serviceable performances. The last game was, you know, an abysmal weather game. what do you think about this massively overweight approach to Cincinnati by him? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I assume that, you know, it's a sim similar situation to what we had talked about with Ryan, where he just felt that, the Cincinnati stack gave was was as a whole going under owned relative to where it should be um, and by a bigger margin than any of the other stacks. So 
you know, it's obviously it's risky and a lot of it goes back to risk tolerance as well. But, you know, I think um, also as the slate gets smaller, you are naturally going to be more likely to end up with close to 100% of some guys because it just goes back to opportunity cost again and, you know, each roster position not being worth quite as much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, again, like I typically don't end up doing that, but there are some times where I do if I, you know, think that one quarterback or, uh, you know, one team as a whole is just getting a lot less ownership than than they deserve. Um, also, one other thing that I think is interesting or to note, no idea like who this person is or what own, what sort of ownership projections they use or if they do or whatever. But we had Burrow projected for 25% ownership and he came in at 40 something percent. Mm. So that's something where like, it, it's, I guess, entirely possible. Like if he was using, you know, similar ownership projections that he you know, thought that Burrow was going drastically on their own, and then he didn't. But because yeah. <laughs> everybody decided to jam Burrow in that spot, regardless. I mean, right? It's like we would see with some of those baseball slates where oh. you know it's like, oh, the Braves are they're expensive, but nobody's playing them because they're expensive. And then at lock, you realize that like every good player just jammed the Braves, and so now they're twice as popular as they were supposed to be. Yep, it's a great feeling, and you know that Freddie Freeman's going for a double dong in that spot when you fade. So there's that. And Dansby Swanson, uh, that, that fucking guy. Um, I can't deal with him. But here we go. Uh, AJ Dillon, 59.3%. Uh, gigantic share that he ended up having of him. Of course, Aaron Jones ends up being the must-have piece, not AJ Dillon. I said he got he did score a touchdown with 8.5 fantasy points. If you don't believe me, go back and look at the box score. It happened. Um, just was not a good fantasy out, output by him. And he was underweight then on Aaron Jones. Well, no, he was still overweight on Aaron Jones, but just underweight to what he had for A.J. Dillon. So still worked out just being higher on those Green Bay Packers. His highest on San Francisco player was Eli Mitchell, where he was underweight by 18%. Looked like he just took a massive, uh, well, I mean, undercut Samuel at the field, undercut Mitchell, uh, looked like the 49ers defense. I mean, he had 22%. Just finding those defenses and, and scattering them around the board I mean, that seems like something that every top 150 player is really doing at this point in time on a two game slate. I mean, is there any reason that you would just take a massive approach to a defense? I don't really think so. Um, I mean, I did notice that he, well, yeah, so he has no Tennessee, but that's because he stacked the Bengals in every single lineup. So that makes sense. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's typically just not going to be any huge stand on defenses. But again, it, it just comes back to like, this is this is kind of what I was saying before. As a general rule, yeah, I end up not, you know, taking a huge stand on any one defense, but that's not actually, I mean, it's by design, but it's not like, you shouldn't just be going in saying like, oh, need to spread defenses around. It's basically just that it works out that defenses are so volatile and it's so difficult to, to say, oh, this is the best defense um, that they end up being, for the most part, you know, owned where they should be um right and so you kind of just end up uh probably with the exception of some of the, the highest owned defenses um but you know typically it's just like yeah okay i i shouldn't have a very strong preference because it's just like flipping a coin against each other right well i mean the one thing is obviously because he stacked up cincinnati four hundred thousand different ways he eliminated tennessee defense and that kind right. of helped him say well if cincinnati goes nuts more than likely I'm not having that Tennessee defense be something I even want in my portfolio. So he had 0% of Tennessee defense. I think that's kind of the nice way of, of the way that these lineups are constructed. Cincinnati, I don't think anybody would argue would probably have the best passing attack in the environment that they were in. You know, it wasn't a zillion 
and it wasn't snowing like crazy. It wasn't zero degrees outside and they were expected to be behind. And so looking at Joe Burrow and then no defense, he basically found the path to find that one lineup that ended up having Aaron Jones and, and the 49ers defense and complement that with the stack that he put together every single lineup. So uh, well done by Gridiron King 15, nice $103,000 of profit for him in this contest. We've got three minutes left to go here, and we're going to get ourselves out of here. Uh, do we do a Hall of Fame here, Jordan? We don't need – yeah, we, we should do some Hall of Fame because I, I think there's something that we want to talk about here at the very end, and that is Adam Shares' golf action too. Uh, we're going to have that pulled up. But if you guys don't know, Osmo Hall of Fame is a really cool way that we can celebrate you. We want to celebrate your wins. We want to be able to show you guys off a little bit. All you do is download the Osmo avatar, so osmo.com slash avatar. Place in the top three of any contest with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet the wins at Osmo H-O-F account. That's at Osmo H-O-F. And you'll get one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. So many ways to get that free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. But this is definitely the coolest because it celebrates you, celebrates your wins. So again, any contest, top three, over 5,000 contestants, and we'll get you that free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Let's take a look at some of these that we have going. Oh, look at this. Adam Share. look at you. Look at you, sir. Can you see this? Are you looking at the are you looking at the zoom screen? Can you see? Oh no, I wasn't looking at Zoom. I was looking at YouTube and really confused what you're talking about. Yeah, Best that, that, ever that. DFS day. Obviously comes in golf. You joke. Look at you. Yeah, that that, that was nice. Um what do I even yeah. do with you? What do we even do with this? This is just absurd. Um am I gonna be doing PGA Live before lock with you coming up soon? Uh absolutely not. Ever. Okay, good talk. That, that would be like the shortest show. It would just be like, what do you think about XYZ? I'm like, I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you should use the wedge. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I like drivers. They're nice. They hit the <laughs> ball far. He hits ball far. Uh, congratulations, my guy. That's a massive, yes. massive win. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, PJ results, Screaming Eagle as well. Look at this. Number three. That's a top three in the 25 cent over on FanDuel. Looks like 50 bucks, but guess what? 50 bucks, that goes a long way for a lot of different people. Everything is considering to your own bankroll. That is super cool to see. That's also a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Just letting you know, top three, over 5,000 contestants, bang, done. Awesome HOF, that's how you do it. So congratulations to him. Justin Tope, don't play much football. Usually stick to the basketball with all the great advice from Yada, 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 yada. All I see is Eric Lindquist in that tweet. But <laughs> that Yahoo overlay was just too good to pass up. Obviously, it was. 100K Sunday Night Baller, 20K to first. That's a $4,500 screenshot. Love seeing that. Things you love to see. And there you go. We just got done breaking down his Saturday lineup. So we should probably talk about some of his Sunday goodness. And that is Bryn Pack. 100K. Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Stafford, Fournette, Miller. And Mr. Blant in there. 9.8 for the W. Congratulations to my friend Rinpack. Pretty freaking cool. Pretty cool. That's it. And then, oh, one more. $20,000. I just saw a $20,000 bang MMA action. Uh, you said you played some MMA. How was MMA for you this weekend, Adam? Uh, pretty much broke even. think I lost. I think I played like 7,000, got back like six. Okay. Well, you, you got all the run good for Sunday, and that's what mattered. That's what mattered. Thank you for all your hard work. You are very welcome, J187DFS. Uh, absolutely love this lineup. Uh, really, Nurga Madoff, he didn't even get a takedown for that. I didn't even cash the prop, even though he submitted him. I didn't get a takedown. That was so tilting. 
That was like my one big prop that I put together for the weekend. But uh, Cody Weaver took down a share of first last night. Appreciate all of your help. Congratulations, C Weaver 30. Things you love to see that. Uh, NHLWs. I'm going to be getting in the NHL streets tonight. That's what happens when I'm not at NBA Live before lock is I become a hockey town for a day. Uh, that's surely going to go well. I don't think there's a 100K contest like there was last week, but such is life. We're going to get ourselves out of here, Adam, though. I, any final words for the people as they head into the conference championship round? No, I think that, that covers it. You are so helpful. Man, look at you. <laughs> Just a wordy, wordy guy. Congratulations on the huge hit. Huge score. Oh, what? What's Let's... that? Oh, we're going to go over his PJ lineup. <gasps> I love that call. That's a great way to finish off this show. Oh, you've got it pulled up already. See? These are the things that we pay Jordan Klein the sort of big bucks for. This is this is it right here. We don't have producer Cam on a review show, do we? No, 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 no. He looks fresh, though, in that beautiful. Is that a new Dodgers at? You look fresh. Yeah, I can tell. You're trying. Brian Harmon. Christian who Can you, did you know how to say his name? Nope. That's the first time I think I've ever heard it said. Hudson's. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you. Hudson Swafford, John Rahm, Lanto Griffin, and Harold Varner III, who I absolutely loved. I don't know why his third is not put up there. The thing that I just have to say that I love about this lineup more than anything, obviously you needed Hudson Swafford more than likely. 3.6% ownership, that's enough. But I love that you left like $300 on the table. And going through a lot of your lineups, there were, there were not as many that were capped out at 50K as possible. And for a tournament like this, where you're going to have John Rahm and Patrick Cantley that are going to be guys that are on the top end built around a lot in a lot of lineups. I like seeing around that 49,700 number for a number of them. The ownership was super low at 66.2%. You only had two players above, or you only had one player above 10.3%, but legitimately there were four players. They were all sub 7%. It's a golf tournament that generally scoring is a little bit easier, which opens up the field to more players. I just love this lineup. Well done by you. Anything you want to add? Thanks. Uh, no, I mean, not much I can add because I <laughs> don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But uh, no, I mean, the, the Lanto Griffin Eagle was was really nice and, and useful yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I think, like you said, it was uh, basically Rom and Cantlay. We had, in ownership projections, I know we had Rom and Cantlay really close. Yep. And so I think that's why I ended up jamming Rom and being under the field on Cantlay. Like, it, uh, if there had been a little bit, little bit bigger gap there, I would have probably been closer to the field on, on Cantlay. But, um, yeah, just, you know, so there was that. And then uh, I noticed there was, like, probably six or seven low-owned guys that I took pretty heavy stands on. Uh, Griffin, for sure, being one of them, I think I had, like, 20%. You want to get lineup study. I go through the lineup study for golf pretty much every single week just to see – what the projected ownership was going to be, where the ownership ended up on, where I might have been right, where I might have been wrong on certain things. But I was with you. I just jammed John Rahm, found ways to, to get different elsewhere. But just him and him and Cantley, I thought we were dead after the Cantley explosion, 61 yep. to start off. And that ended up working out really nicely still. Didn't really matter. It was kind of a moot point. But you could play either one of them. What mattered was that you got on Swafford. And you got on Brian Harmon, who actually, from a scoring perspective, just went nuts. 129.5 fantasy points. So congratulations to Adam. We're going to clip this. We're going to send it to Jason Roslin for Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, and so then he can quit. PJDFS golf fans. <laughs> I love you, Jason Roslin. Guys, 
That's it for us. That's the NFL review show slash golf PGA show to finish it all out. Any final words for the people, Adam? Nope. Enjoy New York, my friend. Uh, He'll be back talking some NBA. He'll be grinding some NBA there. Then probably going out and meandering. I'm sure you can find something to do on a Monday night in New York City. That's probably something you can do. Yeah, I think there might be a little. There might be some stuff going on. (laughs) You can make some stuff go on with 150k. Congrats, my guy, Jordan Klein. Thank you so much for all your hard work, Jason Roslin. We'll see you later, buddy. I I love you. Don't hurt me. Uh, I'm Eric Lindquist. We'll see you guys later.